Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Okay. This is important because we're going to see this uh, back in the garden. But I want to remind you that before the foundations of the world were created, the lamb was slain. Okay. So God already knew how he was going to provide redemption for us. Now, what I do want to look at in Leviticus 17.11 is the word atonement. In the Hebrew, this word is kafar, and it means to cover over, to atone for sin and persons by legal rights. The legal isn't as heavy in the Hebrew as it is in the New Testament because of the wording that they use in the New Testament, but it's still significant in there. But really, atonement means to cover over. Okay? And he's covering over our sins. Now, atonement was good, and it meant that their sins were covered, but that's where it stopped. It couldn't change them. It didn't have the ability to change their hearts. Okay? And so that blood that was shed was sufficient for the moment, but there was coming a greater shedding of blood. It had no power to change anyone or transformed anyone. It just covered over until that better way came. And that better way is Jesus' blood. And Jesus' blood did more than atone for our sins, more than cover our sins. It completely removed them. Okay? And we need to make sure we understand that because some of us keep remembering our sins. <laughs> and God doesn't. Okay, Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So he's not bringing them up all the time, but what are we doing? We are. Okay. So when we read Psalm 103 and, and when we understand uh, the blood of Jesus, it means that God does not hold our sins or our mistakes over us. He doesn't keep record of them. Mm. Uh, he doesn't keep record of our sins like we keep record of our sins and like we keep record of other people's sins and how other people keep record of our sins. He, he, he's not like that. And if you're married, I have a word of caution to you and a word of encouragement. If you have a, a record book, burn it. Burn it, because sooner or later, you're going to speak what's in that record book and it's not going to have the result that you wanted. Let it go. You married them for better or for worse. Don't keep record of wrong. God isn't. If you are living in regret over the things of your past, then you have to let those things go. God has, and now it's time for us to do that. Okay? And by past, this is what I'm talking about. Everybody ready for this? I'm talking about anything after this moment or before this moment. That's in your past. Okay? So, 
right now you have a great future, but you have to forget that. Forget the sins of your past. I don't care if they happen right now. If you had a wrong thought towards somebody in here or towards me or towards anything, forget it. Ask, repent, let it go. All right, don't hold on to it. You know, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. We complicate things so much. God's not a complicated God. He's not hard to figure out unless you start trying to figure it out. But if you just submit to Him, it's very easy. You want to be saved? Fine. Place your trust in Him. But what do we do? We have to figure out, why do I want to do that? Is it going to be okay if I do that? We have a million questions that we don't get answered, and so then we don't give it to Him. We don't, we don't trust Him. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, Jesus just become a crutch. Well, hallelujah. I need a crutch. I haven't walked this, this, walked in this world perfectly. And if Jesus is my crutch, I'll take him. If he helps me, I'll take him. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And so what the writer of Hebrews is talking about is the sacrifices that were made, and, and they were required to make blood sacrifices, but all of it was symbolic and it was all prophetic as well until Christ came. And then, and they had to present this. Now, Jesus is able to present his own blood to the Father, and that secures everything for us. Okay? That's how powerful it is. And then Hebrews 9.22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything was purified with blood. And let me just pause there for a moment. They had to purify things. Themselves, the utensils, the buildings, and, and most of the time it was done through blood. Not all the time, but most of the time. And so that's what he's speaking of. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so this is getting to the crutch of God through Jesus Christ shedding his blood. And remember, the blood of the animals only covered. But the power of the blood of Jesus is forgiveness. A new life, an awakening of our spirit to God's spirit. Being born again, being able to rise above the ways of this world, the sin of this world, because of the power of the blood of Jesus. And so we have the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, before the world was created. So what I want to look at this morning for for the completion of it is I want to turn with me to Genesis chapter three. We're going to go back to the garden. We're going to see their response to the sin and we're going to see God's response to the sin and see how they're different. OK. So in Genesis chapter three. 
After the fall, verse 7, it says this, Genesis 3-7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. <laughs> Excuse me. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Okay? So, in verse 7, we have man's attempt to fix things, to cover things up. Their eyes were open. They knew that they had done something wrong. They tried to cover it. Now, did they try and cover it because they didn't want God to see? I mean, he already knew. I mean, it doesn't really make sense, but anyways, they tried to cover it. And as they tried to cover themselves with these fig leaves, they thought that God was going to be okay with that, but God was not approving of that. But this is a pattern that we see because don't we do the same thing? When we mess up, we try and cover it up. We try and do things to make it right. And the best thing that we can do is just repent. We try to begin to fix things ourselves, cover ourselves. But the reality is, is God doesn't need us to fix it. He doesn't need us to cover it because he's already provided our covering, which is greater than what was in the Old Testament. What we need to do is simply trust him and the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, God's response to this is found in verse 21. But as we look at this, I want you to understand that when something, and I, I think I mentioned this last week, when something occurs for the first time in Scripture, that means that's the way God intends it to be. Okay, so in Revelation, it talks about the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Okay? That's the way it's going to be. Genesis 3.21, this is God's response to their sin. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now where do you get garments of skins? You have to kill something. You have to kill an animal. Now, I don't know what this looked like. I don't know how I, I don't know how it all took place on this. But what we know is that God killed animal. Perhaps there was blood still flowing or still on the gar I mean, I don't on the skin. I don't know. But the blood of an animal was slain to cover them, to atone for them. And again, this is a prophetic of Jesus being slain before the foundation of the world. Because God already knew that Jesus would shed his precious, powerful blood for us. To be able to forgive us. And so God is beginning to establish a pattern for it. Okay? Jesus hasn't arrived on the scene. 
but he's establishing a pattern. He, he's given us symbolic representation of what is to come when Jesus comes. Out of God's great heart of love for mankind, our Creator already had a plan set in motion to rescue us. The shedding of His own innocent blood. And God's plan was that we would be justified and brought back from death to life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. The price of sin demands is death, but God has always was always willing to pay the price for us to have abundant life through the covenant of His Son's shed blood. And so when God covered them with animal skin, this was the first blood sacrifice that covered. Now I just want to share some things because this is an area that I don't know of anyone who doesn't struggle with. Okay? We were never intended to atone for our own sin. We were never intended to atone for our own sins. In fact, we are not able to atone for our own sins. Okay? God didn't design it that way because He knew we could not atone for our own sins. And God's design was through Jesus being our sacrifice and being our Savior. Think about it for a moment. If we could save ourselves, then we wouldn't be dependent, then we would be dependent upon our works. But when we're dependent upon Jesus, it's much easier, it's much better, because all we're dependent upon is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I know firsthand is that when you're trying to atone for yourself, when you're trying to work to get God's attention, it's a lot of work. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. It's overwhelming. It takes too much time and effort. I mean, have you ever cleaned a mess up with a, a garment with a rag and it's so bad and you you clean it up and then you turn it over and then you try and clean it up some more but there comes a point where the rag gets so filthy that it doesn't matter how much scrubbing you do it's not coming clean that's the way we are you know we do that with our lives we try and clean it and it's stained to begin with and we just keep going around in circles. You know, it's not like wax on, wax off. It's, it's not like that. It's muddy when we start and it's muddier when we finish because we got more involved. And so Isaiah 64, 6 reminds us of this. And he says, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And in the NIV, it reads like this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. 
And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All our righteous acts. All are trying to please God. I mean, it's a heavy load. So the truth is, we could never save ourselves anyways. No matter how hard we try, no matter how sincere we would be before the Father, we cannot save ourselves. Try as hard as you want. Come up with what you think is going to, it's not going to work. Because it says filthy rags. But since the beginning, mankind has worked very hard trying to produce our own righteousness. Sometimes we feel like we have to pray enough, fast enough, give enough in order to get God to respond favorably to us. And we don't always realize we may be trying to earn or produce our own righteousness by doing these things. And trust me, you know, we're on a fast, so we're actually doing this. But I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray and that we shouldn't fast and that we shouldn't give. We should. Matter of fact, Jesus told us we were supposed to. He said, when you pray in Matthew uh, it's either six or seven or maybe even five, but it, it's somewhere in there early. He said, when you pray, and then he tells us how to pray. And then he says, when you fast, and then he tells us how to fast in comparison to the religious people. And then he says, and when you give. So he expects that we're going to do those things. But what was Jesus getting at? He was getting at the motivation behind it. Because they were giving with a wrong motive. And now he's trying to set it straight. And so... With this, even though we are commanded to do these things, we have to be careful of what our motivation is. Why are we trying to do these things? And it's, it's not just limited to praying, fasting, and giving. There's other things. We think, oh, if I just do this enough. If I just do this enough. You know, if I read my word longer tomorrow. Well, sooner or later, you're going to run out of daylight. You're going to need more time. And you're not going to keep it anyways. And, and if you're on the fast and you say, well, I'll just fast better. Why don't you just fast? Why don't you just say, God, I need you to come and change me. You know, I, I've encouraged you because we found out about it. We're three part beings. We do have a body. And, and I remember years ago that we, or Alicia spoke truth to us about Diana's body. And so she has to eat some kind of meat during our fast. Okay, it's not all the time, but somewhere down the line she's going to have to. I remember, uh, what, it was this Wednesday, talking, or last Wednesday, whenever it was, talking to Bill. And he can't go without certain things, food-wise. So he's limited. But there's other things that he is doing to set his heart right with God. And that's what it's about. And it's about the motivation. Not trying to earn our way with God because it doesn't work. But just simply saying, God, I just want more of you. And, and if this is what I have to offer you, so this is what I'm going to do. 
our motivation has to come from love for him. Rather than trying to get something from him. Because guess what? God already loves us. He's already for us. And we have to understand that whenever we are doing things to earn something from God, God, God calls that dead works. Okay? But God knowing that we were going to do that, He says this in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. What we're going to read in just a second frees us from our efforts in the striving to earn God's love. These verses tell us how easy it is to be loved by God, to be forgiven by God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more? If I say how much more? This is one of my favorite scriptures. How much more? Did you get that, Chris? Hebrews 9, 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serving the living God? So in other words, he's saying that we don't have to keep trying to earn our way with God. We don't have to keep trying to beg God, do something that's going to cause him to say, wow, okay, I've changed my mind about you. He doesn't do that. You know what changes his mind? When we accept the finished work of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. That's when God has his attention on us. For Adam and Eve, this first sacrifice from God covered their nakedness, their sin, and their shame. But God has also provided the last and the forever complete sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ. And under the blood of Jesus Christ, God's covenant provides even more than our covering. Jesus changes us into new creation. Okay? He's able to do that. Forgiving our shame and our sin. And enabling us to rise above all of our sin and shame from the inside out. God makes us new from the inside. He awakens our spirit. We're reconnected with the spirit of God. We're born again. And we can begin to do great things for God. What an awesome thing God is. And I just want to close with one more scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And before I read it, I just want us to understand we are covered and made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. We aren't under the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has made us righteous. Now, your spouse may look at you and think, well, you ain't acting righteous. It's okay. But you are. If you have received Jesus Christ, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, He, speaking of God, made Him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that in Him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that awesome? You see, the sacrifice in the Old Testament of the animals just covered over their sin. But through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ, not only are our sins covered over and forgotten by God, but now He declares upon us, you are the righteousness of me. That's good stuff. That's good. When we get this, when we understand this, we will cease from trying to earn and work and do the dead works that get us tired. Amen? Stand with me. God is so good. He's so gracious. You know, we heard that song just before this about His grace flowing over and over us. And and it happens because of the blood of Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank You for this day. We thank You for the love that You have for us. And Lord, we're so grateful for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank You that it's not only precious, but it's powerful. And Father, just as it was applied to the doorposts of the Israelites in Egypt, it can be applied to our life. And Father, when it's applied to our life, we thank you that heaven is open wide for us. And Lord, we pray that as we learn to apply your blood in our lives, over our lives, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.